on one side. I want you to spend a few minutes, uh, a few seconds, to think about what it is you are particularly grateful for in your life today, at this moment. And you've got to really think about something specific. Please don't sit there and go, family, right? That's like the Miss America pageant when we're like world peace. I know you're grateful for your family, no matter who you are, but I want something specific today, right now. If you want to put family, what specifically today are you grateful for? Okay, specificity is important in this. So on one side of the card, it could be a thing, could be a person, it could be people or something, but specifically, what are you thankful for? What are you grateful for today? Okay? Could just be a word. What are you grateful for? You've written that, I want you to turn the card over to the other side. And on the other side, I'd like you to write a few sentences, maybe, maybe just a couple of sentences. But I'd like you to write a little bit about the circumstances of how whatever you're grateful for, how did that come into being? What's the backstory of that? What are the circumstances? How did it come about in your life, right? Like, so for example, while you're kind of writing, the, just to give you a, a, an example, if I was grateful for my family, which I am, uh, and I was going to be specific about that, I might say I'm grateful for my wife, Beth. I would write that on the front. What do I write on the back of the card? Well, what I might write on the back of the card is the circumstances of how she came into my life. Well, we, she's from Wales. I'm from America. We met while teaching English in Japan. We were living close by to each other. That's the backstory. That's the circumstances of how it came about. It's really important, not only today that I want you to write on the front what you're grateful for, but on the other side, how, what's the backstory of how that came into being? How did that become a part of your story? of your life, okay? And as you're kind of writing that down, this is, uh, this is important because I'm hoping this might become a Lenten discipline, that even today or this week, it might be a discipline for our lives. Lent is a time when we have certain spiritual disciplines, and most of the time in Lent, we kind of think about what we're avoiding, so people give things up for Lent as a spiritual discipline. I know people in this church have given up social media. I know people in this church who have given up caffeine. We're praying for those around you if you've given up caffeine uh, for your impatience and everything else, but we give up certain things. But that's not the point is what we give up. The point is what we give up and what we then use that time or that attention to turn towards. The point of spiritual disciplines in Lent is what we engage. So if you give up social media, so giving up Facebook or Instagram is not going to bring you closer to Jesus just by itself. But what we do is saying, rather than spending time on that, I'm going to take that time and maybe read an extra devotion, or I'm going to pray in a different way, or I'm going to uh, engage in a small group activity for a while. And, and it's that engagement. It's saying no to certain things in order to say yes to better things. And so for some people, you might have engaged in a Lenten discipline where you're like, I, I feel like I'm growing in the Lord and I know what I'm doing. But for some of us, it may feel like it's been interrupted. It's like a New Year's resolution. Maybe you thought you were going to do something and like four days later you stopped doing it and then South by happened and then spring break happened and it's just like lost in memory of what your good intention was. Well, this can be a discipline that you and I can engage in today and this week and the discipline is the practice of giving thanks, of being thankful people of gratitude. And these cards you're going to be invited to take home with you today as you leave the service to take it home with you as a way of practicing this, okay? So on the one side, what are you grateful for? 
On the other side, what are the circumstances of that? The scripture passage that's going to guide us today as we continue through this six-month journey through Luke is from Luke chapter 17, starting in verse 11. And I invite you to listen to God's word to us today. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was going through the region between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten lepers approached him. Keeping their distance, they called out saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were made clean. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. He prostrated himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus asked, were not ten made clean? But the other nine, where are they? Was none of them found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And then he said to him, get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Lord, I ask this day that no matter who we are or how we walked in here, no matter what hopes or dreams or fears or doubts lie in our lives, that we would hear from you today, the living God, and that you would change our lives forever. We pray it in Christ's name. Amen. All right. So what is taking place in this passage, just so that we understand, is that Jesus is on the way to Jerusalem for the Passover. As Christians, we know that Holy Week is getting closer, and that means that the cross is now coming closer and closer. It's now on the horizon. Jesus is going to be in Jerusalem for the Passover when the events of his crucifixion and resurrection take place. So that's where he's going. And as he's traveling to Jerusalem, he stops in this village. And maybe he's stopping there because he's hungry. Maybe he's tired. Maybe he's going to visit some friends while he's there. But for whatever reason, he stops in this village and he has um, 10 lepers who call out for him. People struggling with this horrible disease of leprosy. They wouldn't have gotten close to him because they were seen as unclean at the time. And they wouldn't have been allowed to get near any religious figure like Jesus. So they don't, it says they don't come up to him. They don't come close to him. These are isolated people kept away from everybody else. But they call out to him and say, Jesus, you can heal us. And Jesus responds to them, not by saying, you're right, I can, or I'm not going to. But he says, you know what? Go and present yourself to the priests. Now, this would have been an act of faith because just like they didn't get close to Jesus, they weren't allowed to get near the priests either because they would have seen him being unclean and, and, and polluting the priests in the religious place. So you imagine people in church just saying to you, it's like, you're just not allowed here because you kind of make it worse for everybody else. So to go to the priests would have been an act of faith because they weren't allowed to do that. But something in them listens to Jesus, and all ten of them, it says, turn and start walking to find the priest to present themselves, which they weren't allowed to do. And while they're walking, they are healed of this disease. They are healed of the disease of leprosy, all ten of them. You can imagine how excited they are. You can imagine all that was going on in their hearts and in their minds, kind of how they reacted as, as maybe after years, maybe after what felt like a lifetime, they had been cured of this disease. And as all 10 of them are healed, only one of them hits the pause button long enough to turn around to Jesus and say thank you. Didn't mean that the other 10 weren't excited, the other nine weren't excited. I imagine they were. But in their excitement, they ran off to tell their friends or they ran off to tell their family or they ran off to, uh, you know, uh, present themselves at the temple to show this miracle that had taken place. But only one stops before anything else and turns to the source of their healing to say thank you. 
One of the things we learn in this when we talk about the invitation this day and this week for the spiritual practice of gratitude, one of the things that we see from the very beginning is that being a grateful person is not the result of circumstances. It's a choice. Being a grateful person is a spiritual discipline. It is a choice. It is not the result of circumstances. If it was the result of circumstances, all 10 would have stopped at this blessing and turned around and gone back to say thank you to God. You can have great things going on in life. When I ask some of you to write what it is you're grateful for on these cards, there are some of you who are in a great season of life right now. Life is good at work. Life is good in your marriage. Life is good in your friendships. You are feeling like you're sort of on your game. It's not that things are perfect, but you, when you are asked to write one thing you're grateful for, there are a number of folks here who's like, man, that's really hard for me to just localize it to one thing. And there are other, others of you here today who are saying, I wish you had talked to me last year. Last year, I could have written something on this card but not today. Today, heartache and pain and loss and confusion and disappointment and loneliness is a part of my story. But what you got to hear, what we all need to hear, whether you're in a good season of life or whether life feels really hard right now, gratitude is a choice. It is not the result of circumstances. You can choose to practice this discipline today and this week. We know that in the history of our nation. I know that it's not November when we normally talk about this stuff, but if you look at the history of our country, we know that the practice of gratitude is a choice and not the result of circumstances because the celebration of Thanksgiving, which we do in uh, November, uh, came out of some of the darkest, most difficult, most painful moments in the life of this country. Where did it start? Well, we know that it started with the pilgrims, and we have like the ch our children, our grandchildren, and our friends, or our neighbors that dress up like the pilgrims, and they do little skits at school, and we see the balloons and the floats at the Macy's Parade, and we know the story. But the fact is, is that in the early 17th century, when the pilgrims arrived here in, uh, in what's now America, in Massachusetts Bay Colony, that was a time of unimaginable suffering. They were fleeing religious persecution in England. They came over on the Mayflower. They spent almost a year before they celebrated Thanksgiving in Massachusetts. And in that time, every single family experienced death. Every single person that gathered for that first Thanksgiving after being in Massachusetts for a year had experienced unbelievable tragedy in that time. They had lost a spouse or a child or children or parents or close friends, every single person at that gathering, it was not the result of how amazing life is. It was a choice that the leadership said, and sometimes that's the most important time, when things feel like the horizon is dark and everything just feels like it's caving in on you and you don't know where to go or what's going to happen, that's when the leadership said, we need to stop and realize that God is still with us and God is providing in different ways and God is blessing us. It's not that we're denying that things are hard or painful, but we're also not going to give in to saying that's the only story. And so we're going to give thanks to God. We're going to choose that in this time. It's not the result of circumstances. Or when did it become a national holiday? 
came a holiday in the midst of the Civil War. Abraham Lincoln said and declared a day in November that's now become the fourth Thursday in November to be a national day of giving thanks. And it was not when the war, the Civil War was over, the bloodiest war. We were in the middle of the bloodiest war in the history of this country. Tragedy was all around. And when Lincoln said this was in the midst of the Civil War, when it looked like the North was most likely going to lose, and it looked like Abraham Lincoln was not going to win re-election, when he was unbelievably unpopular, and championing what seemed like a lost cause. It was then that he said, we need to stop and choose to give thanks. Gratitude is not the result of circumstances. It's a choice that we make. It's a choice that every one of us can make here today. No matter what you wrote on your card or whether you're still searching for what that thing is that you can write, gratitude is something that we can choose. And it changes things when we do. Science tells us that if you and I practice gratitude, thanksgiving in our life, it changes us physically, spiritually, emotionally. It makes a huge difference. So, for example, one of the things that science has showed us is that people who regularly practice thanksgiving and gratitude, that those people live longer and sleep better at night, and potentially the two of those are connected, right? It changes us physically to, to practice gratitude. It changes us emotionally. It changes us spiritually. People who practice gratitude regularly are uh, more optimistic. They're actually more resilient. They see opportunities when they present themselves rather than missing them that are in front of them. And they are actually more empathetic over time. We talked when the, the parable of the Good Samaritan of the difference in responding empathetically or sympathetically. And that empathy is something that can be cultivated and is so necessary in life. One of the ways we cultivate becoming empathetic people is practicing gratitude. Empathy is a result of practicing gratitude. It changes us when we choose gratitude, but you can't wait and go, when everything's good, then I'll do it. Otherwise, the other nine would have stopped as well. So no matter what you have to write on this card, we're invited to be like the one, the one that stopped and turned and not the nine. And then Jesus at the end, and I want you to think about this, says something that when the one stops and turns and turns back to Jesus, Jesus says this most curious thing to him. He says, he says to him, your faith, his last words were in this passage, have made you well. Which is weird because all ten just got cured. It's not that the other nine, when Jesus says that, they, they like became diseased with leprosy again. But what Jesus is saying is that when we practice gratitude, like science shows us, something is healed within us when we do it. And I think what Jesus is saying to this one is, something's going to be different about you than the other nine. Because you chose to stop and to give thanks. Now what is that? It's because when we look at our lives, and maybe when we look at these cards, and we look at the circumstances of it, when we look at how things came about, we're going to realize how little control we had over the things for which we are grateful. We're going to realize how little control we have in life, period. And one of the things that can happen is, is that if all we are is grateful when life is good, that just means that circumstances make us happy. So like, I'm happy because my life is good because things are going well. I got a lot to write on this card. But what happens is, is that in those moments, when, when, when that's all that we do, when uh, we, we wait for that, it means that uh, circumstances are going to change, and when they change, it's going to get hard again. 
Like, I imagine these nine who didn't stop and give thanks, I imagine that they ran on, and they were probably just so excited that they ran to the temple to say, look at this miracle that's happened, or they ran back to their family that they haven't been allowed to go around for a while and go, look, I'm back, I'm healed. But, but what happens is, is that circumstances change. And so maybe what happened is they ran into the temple to say, look at this miracle that's happened, and some people were excited to see him, but maybe some people were wondering what was really going on and still kept them in at arm's length. Or maybe they ran back to their family, excited to see him again, and their family was like, you know, thank goodness you're here. We've been struggling to provide and, and to be able to eat, and so you need to go back and get a job. And the person's going, well, I, don't, I haven't worked. I don't even know where to start with that. And all of a sudden, the circumstances, see, whenever we get a blessing in life, we're going to encounter the next chapter. And it's going to have hardship as well. And if all we've done is gone, oh, man, I'm healed. This is great. We've actually missed the one to whom we give thanks. You see, there's a difference in being thankful for certain things and being thankful to someone. And when we're thankful to someone, what we realize is that when the circumstances of our life change and when things get hard again, we're going to remember the one with whom we face it. And that is healed within us. This one came back because he was grateful to a person, not just grateful for circumstances. And that's what I want us to do this week. That's why I wanted us to write these cards down. I want you to pull these cards out because this is what we're going to end with. You can take these home with you. You're going to be invited to take it. I mean, it's a free country. You can ditch these on the way out if you want to. No one's going to be policing you. Big Brother's not going to be watching. I'm going to invite you. I invite you. That's very 2019. You're invited. And then I'll affirm you after that to take these home with you and to use them as a spiritual discipline this week. And what I'd like you to do is when you look at the card right now, I'd like you to see, number one, what you wrote on the first side, what you're grateful for. But then I really want you to pay attention to the other side where you wrote the backstory, the circumstances. I want you to look at that right now. And I want you to see in those circumstances how little control you have over what has brought these blessings into your life. It's that process that brings us back to the source of the one who gives the blessing. When you look at the circumstances in your car, maybe you'll share this on the drive home, maybe you'll share this with your small group, what, where are the fingerprints of God all over those circumstances? Because we love the myth of the self-made person, self-made man and self-made woman in our culture. We tell stories about that all the time. Unfortunately, it's just not true. Most of the circumstances that bring blessings into our life, you and I could not control. I want you to look for where are those fingerprints. And here, I'm going to use mine as an example. Not so you know about my card, but so that you can think about what this is like for you. So here's what I wrote. What am I grateful for? I did this a week ago to start getting ready to see if this might be a good exercise for us as a congregation today. And what I wrote was, is that I am grateful for participating in our annual youth and family mission trip to Belize. I got to go to Belize with uh, my two daughters uh, and uh, 30 people from our church as part of an annual youth and family mission trip uh, that we send every year uh, to Belize, to a sister church of Belize. And it was an amazing week. It was an incredible week. And then I wrote on the circumstances on the back, because I'd just gotten back when I wrote it, um, well, how did that come about? How did we get to go to Belize? Well, I was encouraged by my two daughters uh, to sign up together to go on this youth and family trip and to participate in this spring break trip. But now at first, I was like, well, that's pretty straightforward, right? 
How did we sign up for it? Well, we found out about the trip. How, do we, uh, you know, we, we, how, did, how did you get to go? Well, we had to pay to go on their trip. And how do you get money? Well, we work for it and we work hard and, and allowed us to go on this trip. And, and we actually felt kind of cool about ourselves because we spent spring break doing a mission trip, not just like hanging out and watching movies, which uh, is okay if that's what you need to do. But we get to put on our college resume that we went to and we kind of like worked and did this. So you kind of pat yourself on the back while you're doing it, uh, that you kind of went and participated in this. And then I got to go because my daughters invited me and encouraged me. And what that really means is, is that it's a youth and family trip, and they really want families to go together. And so it meant my kids came to us and were like, uh, we, to go on this trip, you have to go. So will you come and try not to embarrass us? Which I did go, and I embarrassed them a lot. Sometimes I meant to. Uh, and that's a fun thing as a parent to get to do. Um, we were shopping. We were in shopping, and I had to buy a wide-brimmed hat. And the moment that, that my kids were like, oh, that's so embarrassing, I'm like, that's the one I'm getting. You shouldn't have said that. You shouldn't have said that. It's the little things as a parent that, like, keep you going, right? And so, um, so that's how I went. And at first, you look at the circumstances, you're like, well, that's, you know, we worked for it. We earned it. We get to go and everything else. But where are the fingerprints of God in that? Where are the fingerprints of God on what you couldn't control? Well, here are some things I couldn't control. It's a youth and family trip. And when that idea came about, it wasn't my idea. And in fact, I vetoed it as a head of staff when the idea of a youth and family trip came up at first. Because I was like, that's a terrible idea. You're the youth staff. Take the kids. That's what we're paying you for. Go away and take them with you as you go. It's a gift to everybody in the family as you go. And like, why do parents want to, like, they're not going to sign up for this, right? I didn't like the idea. I vetoed it multiple times as an idea when we came about. And all of a sudden, I'm getting to go and not just as a pastor, but as a dad, get blessed by it. Did I earn that? Did I deserve that? No, in fact, I stood in the way of it. Or how about the fact that we got to go over spring break? What an amazing gift to have a spring break. Do you know that, that to be in a country where there are public school systems that allow you to have a spring break is not a given? Did you know that in the country of Belize, there is no such thing as public school that's just available? That if you are a parent that wants to send your children to school, you have to pay for it? Whether you are two parents in a, in a two-parent household working in good jobs or whether you are a single parent, if you want your child to go to school, you've got to find some way of earning money or it's not available. Did our students do something better to deserve being born in a place where they had the access to a spring break trip? Does it make them more better? Did they control that? Did I? No. Or how about the fact that my two daughters invited me? I'm going to air quote that, invited me. <laughs> they invited me. All children are a gift. None of them we earn. I did not earn having children. Sometimes we talk like that. I'm going to get married, have children, get a job, and retire. That's the plan. Every child is equally a miracle. But as many of you know, Beth and I struggled to have children for years, some of the hardest years of my life. We struggled with infertility. And if someone had told me 16 years ago, your two daughters, your two daughters 
will invite you to go on a spring break trip with them. I may not have believed you. We are in control of so little. And to stop and to see the fingerprints of God, not just on the circumstances, not just on the blessings themselves, but on the circumstances. To see the fingerprints of God on all of the things that bring about blessings in your life is what allows us to continue to walk forward with gratitude to God that we are blessed to have gratitude in our lives and blessed to be a blessing. Imagine if we do that this week. Imagine if we this week remember and think and see the circumstances and see the fingerprints of God that are all over our life. Imagine this week if we stop long enough to pause and to give thanks to God for all of the amazing things, the abundance of things that you and I can neither earn nor control in our life that make our lives so rich, so good. Imagine if we take the time to do that, that we will not walk in here next Sunday the way we are today. The choice is whether we stop and see and give thanks for the love of God in each of our stories. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we ask this day that you would lead us, that you would guide us, that you would speak to us, that you would remind us not just of the good circumstances in our life, but of all the factors that you have brought about to make blessings possible. May it fill us with wonder, with awe, with gratitude at your love for us. And may it fill us with a hope that you who have provided so much for us already will be with us with whatever tomorrow might bring. Lift us up this week because of who you are and what you have done. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.